Hi, floppers. Before we start our regular nonsense, we wanted to make sure you knew the Flophouse is going on a four-city West Coast tour this January. It's the Flophouse Errors Tour, the biggest event in pop culture entertainment this year, probably. You can see us in Vancouver on Wednesday, January 24th at the Rio Theater, in Portland on Thursday, January 25th at the Aladdin Theater, in San Francisco on Friday, January 26th at Cobb's Comedy Club as part of San Francisco Sketchfest, and in Los Angeles on Sunday, January 28th at the Regent Theater. For tickets, go to flophousepodcast.com slash events. Again, that's flophousepodcast.com slash events. The Flophouse Live is like the podcast, but you can smell us. And now, without further ado, our regular nonsense. On this episode, we discuss Rebel Moon, Part 1, A Child of Fire. More like seven Shamurai, am I right? <laughs> like Shamu, so, the killer like, whale? They're all killer whales? <laughs> yes. Shamu. You know what I meant. <laughs> Come on. Shampoo? It was it was a hot one, guys. It was, <laughs> it was a hot, hot one, one. <laughs> and you chilled it out. Come chilled on. Chilled champagne? No, you know. Come on. <laughs> And welcome to the Flop House. I'm Dan McCoy. I'm Stuart Wellington. I'm Elliot Kalen. The original uh, child of fire himself, Elliot Kalen. <laughs> yep. You know it. You know now, it. Now, I mean, I don't want to get into things too far ahead. We have to. Yes, I was what born of flame. I was born in flames. Yes, like a show phoenix. Show is, but uh, the child of fire, I guess, is the main lady because of. How I, the war? Well, Dan, did let's, a thing this is a this is a podcast to, where we watch a bad movie and then we okay, talk about yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. So the Child of Fire. I'm not sure if it's Cora, the or if it is the princess who has the power to bring we, dead things princess, back to life that we, we see in one Lisa? flashback. Yeah, basically yeah. nothing about it at this point. Yeah, <laughs> uh, named, we know she's fucking magic, dude. <laughs> <laughs> names of the movie after that's a character con- we see in one scene, basically. <laughs> it is. I mean, that's the, the Titus Grown, the first volume of Gormenghast, is named after a character who appears as a me. baby <laughs> near true. the end of the movie. Well, the the Titus Grown <laughs> yeah. did it. If Mervyn Peake could get away with it in his Gormenghast trilogy, then Zack Snyder can do it in the Rebel Moon series. Okay. Well, this isn't a Gorman Gast trilogy podcast. This is a podcast oh, where we watch a bad I movie. I wish it was. And Not then we yet. talk about it. Yeah. Um, and in this case, uh, we watched, we, we returned to one of, you know, the Flophouse's hit makers. Mm-hmm. Wait, there was, a, there was an S missing from that <laughs> sentence. Uh, Zack Snyder, who we talked about. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. He's done so many of them. Um, and uh, yeah, this is his, his, <laughs> so he's, been in the DC universe for a long time. When and we last saw like, Zack Snyder, he yeah. was treating the Justice League with the same level of somber, serious depression mm-hmm. that he would treat, say, a major natural disaster or mm-hmm. a genocide. Yeah. And mm-hmm. and everyone was excited. They're like, what will Zack Snyder do when he's freed from having to do pre-existing IP? And it turns out. Yeah, yeah. He, he walked into, <laughs> into Star Wars Studios and was like, I want to make Seven Samurai in well, space. And they're that, like, uh, no. That is what happened. That is the backstory <laughs> of this. exactly uh, what happened. He, he wanted to do a Star Wars uh, version of Seven Samurai for a long time, and uh, they 
you know, I don't know how far down that road it went, but there was It sounds like, like no. it went very short down the road. It sounds like it was a pitch. Yeah. And so he's like, fine, I'll just make my own Star War. And he it's changed easy. very little. I mean, which is which is how things happen sometimes. Like there's any number of uh, of comic book series that start out as one thing, as a pitch for a pre-existing character mm-hmm. and then yeah. become their own thing. But they usually do a Beloved little bit more of a job show. of- like what? beloved television show Halt and Catch Fire started out as a fucking Mad Men spec script or some shit, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, something like that. And, and beloved and, uh, wank material Fifty Shades of Grey started out as Twilight fan fiction. Exactly, mm. but usually they go a little bit farther in in changing it. Like for instance, Fifty Shades of Grey is does not have a vampire character in it. No. Uh, mm. Only in that all capitalism is a form of vampirism Thank to you. a certain extent. But uh, the but this one. He really doesn't go very far in 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 uh, rubbing the serial numbers off of the parts, and <laughs> yeah. it, it feels like he's he's answering a question I think nobody had, which was why doesn't Star Wars have more cursing and attempted sexual assault? Yeah, why, why doesn't Star Wars have more of that? So much joy in the Star Wars universe. Can we just strip that out of there? <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, the Star Wars movies have been doing a pretty good job of, of yeah. Zipping that out too, well, yeah. I mean, yeah. But anyway, there's also so, there, he's also like, could we make it a little more beige? <laughs> that is, a little more his, brown. His color palette is going to get to the point where it's just going to be a brown screen with, now, without you can fair. This, barely see shadows going across. I it. did think this was less uh, brown than like his DC stuff has. There's been. certainly some ambers. Yeah. <laughs> yep. But um, I mean, like every once in a while, he would throw up an image that I would like on screen. He would just he wouldn't vomit it up. He would yeah. throw it. No, up No, no, I, I agree with you. Throw up an image. I feel like. <laughs> uh, Although I did think to myself, I was like, what is it about this? Like, let's be honest. Like, if I saw this movie, if Dan, who was 12 years old with the special effects at the time, saw this movie, I was like, I'd be like, this looks gorgeous. Well, you know? here, but here's and, the I think that gets at something, which is Dan at 12 years old had not seen a movie like this with these special effects. But at this point, you have. You well, know? there's that. But also, I think I, I was like trying to kind of figure out my problem visually with a lot of it. And mm-hmm. I think that. Modern uh, blockbuster films, this is not, you know, just Zack Snyder, like, throw so much stuff on the screen. They're like, it'll be better if there's, like, a bunch of crap (laughs) up there. Whereas I think, like, so so many times, like, a simpler visual with one amazing thing on screen rather than, like, 12 things you can't really see would be so much more effective. It, again, it, following the lead of George Lucas, who saw the old Star Wars movies and said, I wish I'd thrown more crap on the screen. Yeah, and, not cluttered and, uh, enough. It needs more <laughs> robots flying around just going, whoa. And, and <laughs> more more Rontos. Uh, uh, but I see. But I think you're oh. right, Dan, that uh, – well, we'll get into it. But, like, it's a visually b- muddy and busy movie. And it, Zack Snyder is really going all out with the slow motion at times when I'm not sure why he's doing yeah. it. There's a scene in the, a fight scene where a guy is falling on his butt after being knocked over. It felt like it was going on forever. Like I, yeah. I had taken a hit of that drug from Dread. Slow mo. <laughs> yes, yeah, slow mo. I was just experiencing that moment for forever. But uh, it's a. Uh, I think. God I have damn. A, I have a, Fucking Dread kicks. Ass. That's a good movie, guys. Go ahead <laughs> and watch oh, Dread. Remember that. I had a similar thought because, and Stuart, I apologize. We'll let you get into the summary. But while I was watching it, I was like, you know what? I'm going to pull a Dan McCoy on this. I'm going to come at this movie hoping I like it, not prejudging and not being ready to criticize it, but Mm -hmm. hoping it makes me cry a couple times so that I'll kind (laughs) of like it. Yeah, Yeah, like book club. And maybe like the first 10, 15 minutes, I was like, you know what? I like space opera junk. I like dumb space colonies or whatever. I like when big empires are fighting rebels or whatever. 
But as you the like movie went on, fertility rituals. <laughs> yes, exactly. I love fertility rituals. I, I love I love sex positive farming communities on far <laughs> off rim worlds. And uh, the but I was fine. I was finding it's so predictable. It's so incredibly predictable. And it didn't get at what I think I like from space opera, which is when things are crazy or surprising. At the same time as watching this movie, I was not the, uh, simultaneously, but while watch, at the same day as I was watching this, I was reading the book, The Wizard of Lynn by A.E. Van Vogt or Van Voigt. I've never known how to pronounce his last name. Mm-hmm. And his yep. books are classic bonkers science fiction pulp in a, in, in mm-hmm. a crazy way. And the whole time I was reading it, I was like, why am I enjoying this book when I'm not enjoying this movie? And I think it's because the book kept surprising me and the movie did yep. not. Stuart, tell us about this movie that did not surprise us. I also, real quick, just mm. before yeah, yeah. we get into this, I do, as I'm handling summary duties, I think it's very important to point out that this is the first in, what, two or three movies? At least two, possibly three or more. And it it feels so much like the first episode of a series. Yeah. Uh, barring that it has no exciting thing that happens right at the end. Um, <laughs> yeah. And... It, I've, it certainly, the story suffers from it. And I feel like on some level it feels harsh to critique it because there's like no story. It's not I mean, telling gonna, a full story. That's true. But at the same time, I'm, it is all, oh, sorry, Dan, I'm telling you to say. I'm going to say, no, we can critique it all we want because there's, you know, recently we've seen a lot of this like in movies where no story can stand alone. And so, so either you've got stuff like Marvel movies where they're constantly setting up the next thing or uh, a different flavor of Marvel movie over at Sony, uh, people were mad at the Sp- the new Spider-Verse movie. Like, not, I mean, people liked it, but they were like, I had no idea it was gonna, that's half a movie. And like, I'll tell it's you- too bad, that half is amazing. Yeah, half's amazing, <laughs> you're wrong. But also, uh, first off, like the Marvel movies, yes, they have a lot of like junk that doesn't need to, strictly be speaking, be in a standalone movie because they're setting up all this other stuff that you may or may not care about. But they do tell, like, individual stories. Uh, and uh, the Spider-Verse movie, which I think should have still had the, like, part one on it, so people who weren't paying attention to, like, all the stuff around it, like, would know, oh, I'm not going to get the ending. Like, that has an emotional arc of the character, like, you know, finding all these other Spider-Men, like, you know, like, wanting to be accepted, like, going his own way. Like, there's there's a whole, at least, character story that's being told here. This is literally a film that... Is like we need to assemble a team to do a thing, and then the moment that team is fully assembled, they're like, "Well, credits, bye." And I'm like, well, you're, "Fuck I think, you!" I think what, the <laughs> nothing way you happened. Said it, the way you've said it, Dan, is is super astute. That like the you look at Dune Part One, and mm-hmm. it's like that is there's an emotional. I looked at arc. it for like three hours. Yeah, it was yeah, it's good. a long movie. Looked, there's an emotional cool. arc for that character that ends on a high cliffhanger point. You're like, I can't yeah. wait to see what this character's going to do next. With Spider-Verse, I feel like they gain the ability to do that. because I mean, I was annoyed that the movie ended, and I was like, oh, okay, I got to see another one of these. But the first movie is a full you movie. You gotta? Well, I, I gotta, because my son wants to see it really yeah. badly. That the, uh, the sequel, I feel like once you've had a full first story, the sequel can— earns those points to possibly be part of something bigger. Yeah. And you look at the old Marvel that's movies. That's a good point, too. The, especially the old, Mar- like the first Iron Man, I guess there's that thing, is that, do they have that teaser about the Avengers Initiative at the end? I can't remember. Yeah, but, it's uh, in the post credit scene. In the it's post-credit. not yeah. like, it's but not technically the, part of the movie, right? Mm-hmm. Then I, I normally yeah. would have turned off the movie long before I would have gotten yeah. to that like, point. Like the first Iron Man movie or the first Thor movie, it's like, okay, these are whole stories. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, it's but the but this one, it really does feel like they're they're really relying on that part one very heavily, and yet somehow 
They spent two hours assembling this team, and by the time it was over, I felt like I knew none of these characters. Yeah, yeah. well, let's get into that, huh? Yeah, he's okay, been fondling these, uh, these note cards hard. As you, yeah, I got my little note cards yeah, here. James um, Lipton over here with his note cards, yeah. <laughs> mm, uh, so, that's James Lipton as what? The Amazing Kreskin? Yeah, that mean? was <laughs> that's James Lipton as Karnak, the, uh, the Johnny Carson character. <laughs> now, uh, uh, I'm thinking of three movies, Christopher uh, Walken, and they're like, yeah, Christopher Walken walks out, yeah. So I mean, how uh, else would Christopher Walken walk go out than to walk? I mean, if mm-hmm. Christopher Walken swam out, his name would be Christopher Swimming, right? Mm-hmm. Wow, that's how it works. <laughs> Do you I run guess. a meme account now? What's going on here? <laughs> um, so uh, we, of course, the movie opens. We get an opening monologue. Hell yeah! It's Anthony, Sir Anthony Hopkins dropping that shit, playing the role <laughs> of Jimmy the Robot. Uh, <laughs> we don't know that yet, but we'll see. Yeah, so, we'll, we'll find we'll see it's Jimmy the Robot, Who, and then so, leave him behind. Let me go far and away. Open. Far and away. The, the most lovable character in the whole movie, and he disappears after the first <laughs> half. Mm-hmm. As soon as he after shows up the first up half, there, he's like 15 minutes into the movie. You don't see any more of that robot. That's true, until the very end when you see him wearing his yellow jacket's antlers, but we'll get to yeah, that. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, it's a fertility ritual. Uh, so the opening monologue uh, talks about Motherworld, an empire that ex- is expanding and is super <laughs> aggressive. However, the king and queen were assassinated, and now the evil Belisarius has taken over. Uh-oh, and he has sent out a fleet to stop all the rebels. Now, the thing is, you don't need to do a fucking monologue, dude. This is simple shit. If you're yeah, t- yeah. Like, seeing Star Wars. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> if the movie had started with no monologue, I'd be like, yeah, I got it. I get it. Uh, spaceship. We're in space. It's fine. And, and now, the guys that look like Nazis are the bad ones. Yes, yeah, so, so yeah. the, the guys with the with the with the cut class British accents and the Nazi outfits are the bad guys. Like they mm-hmm. and the and the, that the are farm- doing bad stuff. Like yeah. it's not the, like the, the farmers. Yeah. The, the guy who is beating people to death with a cane with an evil looking cane. We could pick up that he's the you bad his, guy. His, you mean his bone staff, Elliot? His bones, yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah. And, but Stuart, here's the thing. I was wondering while we were watching a Star Wars. I was like, wait a minute. It's like a military type thing. And mm-hmm. they serve a dead king. Is this mm-hmm. a Warhammer ripoff? Oh, shit. I mean, the thing is, is you got to give me a second because my heart is fluttering. L.A. has been paying attention to me when I talk about Warhammer <laughs> shit. Oh, yeah, man. I have no idea where it's uh, I Senpai and noticed I, me. <laughs> I see you and I listen to you. And Thank I love you. you. Uh, I Dan, mean, yeah. still judgments out. <laughs> I mean, I think it's interesting. No, I love you too, I don't, I don't know if the uh, the I'm hoping I'm assuming resounding flop of this movie if it will negatively affect the recently signed uh, Warhammer Amazon deal, uh, but we'll we'll find out. Now all this monologue is happening. We have a shot of space and a kind of a, a, a very powerful image where a wormhole opens up in space that looks very vaginal. Yes. That, and this was a, a moment long where I was like, cylindrical spaceship comes through. Maybe huh. this movie will be better than I think it will. Maybe it'll be more of a David Lean, uh, David Lean, <laughs> David Lynch Dune, where everything is weird and and uh, and or a David Cronenberg world where everything's vaginal or penile. But and it won't just be a straightforward Seven Samurai. Da- David mix. Lean would also do a pretty good Dune. David Lean Did, would have done an amazing Dune. Yeah. It would not have looked like David Lynch's, but it would have. <laughs> it would have been you, different. <laughs> He would have. Who would like? Who would have played? You know, Alec Guinness would have played some character in it and been mm-hmm. amazing. You know, yeah. Uh, yeah. Wow. What a David Alec Lane Guinness says Stillgar. <laughs> I don't think. Yeah, I guess he probably would play Stillgar, but I'd he rather would have been play, a great Stillgar. Yeah, he'd be okay. 
Well, I can I can feel one way and you another. So uh, <laughs> we we are we open in a small rural village on Velt, which is kind of like a rim world, as Elliot said, an agro world out on the far reaches of the galaxy. I mean, like agricultural, not agro, like aggressive. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we meet Cora, who is a farmer with a mysterious past, uh, played by uh, what Sophia Batella. She was in The Mummy uh-huh. uh, as uh, the Mummy, uh, who was not Tom Cruise. The other, you know, the uh, no, the, the, the lady, the, mummy, the first mummy. mummy. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, she was the 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 blade lady, blade leg having lady from that Kingsman movie. I think. Yeah, she's they an keep, atomic blonde. They yep. keep putting her in big blockbusters, and I'll be. Honest, I have never found her compelling or charismatic, except in Dan says she don't have the juice. Star Trek <laughs> from Beyond, where she plays a blue lady who has a lot of makeup on, so it's hard to tell that it's her. But she's good in that one. Okay. Well, she has a mysterious past, and she's going to be our main character. So I guess deal with it. Um, I did. We also meet Gunner, who is kind of an ambitious farmer. He's kind of outgrown this simple village. And he is, uh, he's trying to find ways to make, <clears throat> he's, he's kind of smarter than his humble roots. Uh, and he? then we all, yeah, well, I, I think don't. that's the idea. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I'm going to talk he, about he him in a moment when something happens. We'll have a bigger discussion about okay. this Okay, I mean, so many of these characters, they kind of do what the plot needs them to do at the moment. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. the movie kind of makes up why they did it. So I, I he, he seemed, they, he was, at, at certain points he was Gambit and at certain points he was Luke Skywalker. Yeah. And it's kind of hard to tell. And, that, and he's played by an actor who I know has been in a bunch of stuff, but I mainly remember him as being an indie rock star on the TV show Nashville. Yeah. <laughs> okay. In, in yeah. general, I think the that's character Mikiel Hoisman. Oh, yep, that's yeah. him. Is a interesting but not really successful attempt to like sort of gender swap the normal uh, blockbuster roles where he's he is the damsel in distress and uh, you know she is the like. Devil may care hero, not devil may care. The tortured hero, sort of. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, who's a who's a super fighter? So the the yeah. village, a village that seems to be made up entirely of people between the age of twenty and like forty five. Um, <laughs> <it, laughs> they the, seem to kill their elderly and their young. Yes, yeah, yeah that's something that would be. We'll find kinda. out in part two. I'm assuming. Yeah, yeah. They send their young to boarding school and their elderly to another to, to yeah. it, like an old folks village. Yeah. Yeah, that all uh, you know, they send one to, to Providence, the capital of the planet. Um, yeah, or the okay. villages, Florida's friendliest hometown, Trump country. Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. So, speaking of villages, the village has a harvest <laughs> festival. Uh, has like a harvest feast, and the the leader of the village, the father of the village, Sindri, played by Corey Stallworth. That's right, a pretty cool beard. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> gives a very horny speech about how the important thing they should be doing is fucking. <laughs> Uh, Everybody Cor- gets a speech in this movie, and this is his. I guess he has yeah, this a is couple. His. Yeah, yeah, he gets a couple. He's you know he's great. Uh, do, do I wish he had a hairpiece like in uh, the Strain? Yes, of course I wish he had a crazy hairpiece. <laughs> but he has that great crazy beard. He does have a great crazy beard. I'll shut up. I'll 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 take what I'm I'm given. Um, so Cora's adopted father Hagen or Hagen tries to convince her to settle down, that that's the one way that she'll really become part of their community. But she's not so sure. She's, uh, you know, she's got a mysterious past. Next day, an Imperial Dreadnought arrives into orbit, uh, and Korra runs over and sounds a bell, and it's like everyone can see it. <laughs> like, I don't know if you're <laughs> hammering that thing. Um, 
And they, the they had, village they had gets plot together. Blindness. It's the same yeah. thing that kept um, Mahershala Ali from seeing that plane crash in the world, uh, leave the world behind until mm. he needed to. Plot blindness mm-hmm. keeps you, you from almost called seeing it, the thing. <laughs> you almost called it The World Is Not Enough. <laughs> I did almost call it that, yeah. Because <laughs> that's the movie leave I always the wish I watched. <laughs> <laughs> that would be great if it had like uh, uh, James Bond style opening <laughs> credits with like things being projected on uh, Ethan Hawke and Julia Roberts. <laughs> I mean, speaking of James Bond openings, this movie needed something like why didn't they throw in some kind Any of kind juice of up action moment right at the beginning? Like, yeah, I don't know. They, I, I, mean, know I, I was- kind of appreciate that. I don't know. I like. I'm tired of every blockbuster having to like start with an action sequence and then like circling back to like, you know, like we're starting off low. Okay. I don't know. I I guess I've just seen too many movies and I'm tired of everything. <laughs> everything yes. a movie could so do. So when when you're tired of tricks, straightforward <laughs> yeah. storytelling is can be really good. And this, I wish there was more story because they're telling it fairly straightforwardly, even mm-hmm. though yeah. a- until the movie becomes a series of action scenes interspersed with flashback monologues. But we'll get to that. We'll get okay. to that. So the town gets together and they have a quick chat. Uh, <coughs> you know, they uh, have a quick chat before the bad guys show up because they, uh-oh, Gunner has sold their pl- their uh, their surplus of grain and whatnot to their harvest surplus to, to the, the rebels. rebels. And they don't want the Imperials to find out. Bad guys arrive. They are super Nazi looking. Although there are a couple of dudes with wacky headdresses that just kind of hover around the background, like those guys. I Thumbs like up. that. There was. I was looking up. Uh, I was looking up stuff about Rebel Moon, and this image kept coming up of this lady with huge horns. And I'm mm-hmm. like, wish that was in the movie. I guess that's in one of the sequels. But anytime yeah. a character has a weird headdress or weird mask, I mm-hmm. love it. I like that. Yeah. These guys are so comically bad, and I'm not saying mm-hmm. that there aren't comically uh, evil. You mean? Comically, yeah, well, bad as in like bad people. No, no, but I, I, but, you, I didn't, you, but you don't mean comically bad like they're like they're like oh, 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 like, like I understand not bad you're acting, clarifying. I think that yeah. the rest of my context would be <laughs> easy for people to understand. <laughs> All right, uh, I just don't want people to jump to conclusions these too are, fast. Uh, comically evil characters, and I'm not just I'm not saying that there aren't comically evil people who exist in life, including say. The Nazis, who were uh, the obvious inspiration for these people. But, like, they're evil mm-hmm. even sort of within their own ranks in a way that I'm like, it frustrates me. Like, I'm just like, what is this bullshit? Like, there's, like, that one guy who's like, Haha, look at me. I'm going to start shooting at our own robots. <laughs> That's pretty crazy. <laughs> I'm like, it's a wild guy move, that on buddy. a military mission, you want this person along? It seems like a problem. I mean- he does seem like the kind of guy you would send to a far-off colony world to get him out of there. But he's working yeah. with a with a major league bad guy. This is like the right-hand man of yeah. General of, Belisarius, right? Of Belisarius, yep. This is – okay. So uh, these – the soldiers and bad guys are led by Admiral Atticus Noble. <laughs> <laughs> Did he – okay. That's I don't know. It sounds cool. like he's got a pretty nice name. Pretty so. cool. Uh <laughs> Maybe a second pass on that one, then. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and he's played by returning Flophouse actor and uh-huh. screen screen, who was also in Alita: Battle Angel, the movie that first introduced us to Dan's love of backstory. So yeah. Dan, I hope so, you, I hope you like this I movie. You're ready for a shovelful. He's also, I believe, he took over the uh, he took over the transporter franchise from yes. Mr. Jason Statham. Yeah. Um, okay, so uh, Atticus Noble is hunting rebels specifically. 
the uh, Devra and Darian Blood Axe, which you say a name like that, I'm like, I got to meet those fuckers. <laughs> they, they are very awesome. disappointing when we finally meet them. Yeah, they don't seem like Blood Axes. Um, so also, it, Debra and Darian. <laughs> that, that sounds like someone you're going to, like, I'm getting a Christmas card from around this time of year. <laughs> yeah, like, I feel like Debra Blood Axe is a fourth or fifth generation Blood Axe name. Like, yeah. first it's like, it's like Skin Flay Blood Axe, and then like, mm-hmm. you know, War Screen Blood Axe, and then Harry Blood Axe, and then his daughter Debra Blood Axe. Yeah. Uh, it's it, it is just to oh, clarify. So, yeah, it's Devra's. In oh, case De- I don't oh, want right. to write De- angry letters. All it's the Devra, X which is a super cool name. Yeah, Devra's. Yeah, yeah. Um, you put okay. a V in a name, and it's all always cool. So yeah. we have like a Steven. <laughs> we have an attempt at a uh, a tense sequence where uh, Sindri is trying to appease uh, Attic- uh, the Admiral. Uh, I keep. I guess I should just call him Noble because I'm going to have to say his name a bunch. Uh, he tries to appease him, and then uh, Noble just beats Sindri to death with his his uh, like walking stick that looks like a like a leg bone, like a femur. Yeah. Uh, so they kill him, and then they they say uh, they demand that in ten weeks they're going to return, and they're going to basically need the village's entire heart. Well, and so this, this is, is after where Gunnar, this is after Gunnar uh, has yes. has basically sold out Sindri in a way that he thought was being clever and helping them out, but leads yeah. to Sindri being beaten to death. And this is what I wanted to talk to you with this 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 farmer character, where like I, to me, I think that this movie makes kind of a mistake here in terms of like building the sympathies for these characters, because like I, in real life, this is a mistake that I could see being made. Like you, you think you're gonna get away with something, you think it's gonna be okay, mm-hmm. like it, it it all goes horribly wrong, and like. Uh, in life, you know, like, this is the sort of thing that you'd be like, okay, like, I see that you didn't mean that. Like, I'm not going to hold, like, this person's, like, death against you, maybe. But in fiction, I'm like, what, this guy a fucking idiot? Like, he's been, like, told to do it a certain way. Like, clearly, like, these people are, like, like not to be trifled with. Like, he's been told by multiple people that. He's like, ah, and we're still supposed to kind of be like, and this is our second hero that uh, this is the innocent immediately who is, are like. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like this, this is something that could be, if handled properly, could yes. be cool. Like the idea of a guy who thinks he's smarter than the situation. He doesn't really understand the stakes that he's in. And then he has, you know, he, he learns from it. But we don't really don't worry. We're not going to get any kind of arc or learning. No, I agree. No. But the, the, it could it could work. But the movie hey, you doesn't know where do it like, the leg work. You, to, you know where something like that kind where, of works a little different. Where? Uh, it's a movie called Star Wars, uh-huh. where, where Luke Skywalker, in it by buying the wrong droid, inadvertently. It leads to the death of his uh, his aunt and uncle, and it, it yeah, sends yeah. him on he, a path of that's justice. A, that was an accident, Elliot. Mm. He didn't yeah, well, intentionally I mean, he do that. He wanted to get out of there. It was, yeah. You're saying it was all part of a plan to get yep. it. To, I know the stormtroopers are probably yep. looking for this droid. Mm-hmm. We've got to get yep. him out of the house. But mm-hmm. I feel there the the all there's some, even the fact that you're starting this movie on like a a uh, far off agricultural planet with that that's isolated from this empire. Like it, if I was doing my Star Wars ripoff, I would do the opposite at least on the surface of what Star mm-hmm. Wars did. So it would seem a little less obvious that I'm do, trying to do almost the exact same thing. But it feels like they are, they're just, try, they're, they're trying to get off those fumes as much as yeah. possible, yep. you know. Uh, so uh, the, the Dreadnought leaves, but they leave a unit of soldiers behind. And as Dan mentioned, they are comically evil. They are shooting yeah. each other and Except beating each one. other up. They're, yep. Uh, There's Harris, one good guy. 
Eris yeah. is the one good one. Mm. He's a he's a little sympathetic, and of course Jimmy the robot, who <laughs> we find out will not fight ever since the 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 king was killed. The the robot. And this don't is the first anymore. time that the mm-hmm. king and the the princess are referred to as like these sort of like noble people who like like oh you know uh, honor like died with them or something, you know like the robot talks of him in these glowing terms, and I think that we as the audience are supposed to like sort of believe at least to some degree that there's like this fallen past. But then later on we see the backstory for our main character. I won't get into it yet, but like we see that when the king was around, they were like violent expansionists. It's just as bad, yeah. Yeah, I'm like, so wait, are we supposed to feel bad that these king got killed? Like like how is the world worse now than what we saw before? I I could see it. Then if they were doing something a little more nuanced, that the robot has been programed to see the mm-hmm. royal family as noble. But yes. you're right that the movie seems to be implying that I it's kind of hard. The movie's so mushy that it's kind of hard to know what you know, because it's so clear that that the Empire has always been bad or whatever it's called. I don't remember what it's called. Mother World yeah. or whatever has always been called bad. the Empire. <laughs> <laughs> but uh the uh it's hard to know what uh even like again in the Star Wars movies, they're harkening back to the days of the Republic that was before the Empire. But mm-hmm. in this, there's no thing like that necessarily, yep. yeah. and so it is hard to know what what are we what were we supposed to think is good or not good, or because the king does seem mm-hmm. terrible. Maybe Belisarius is just worse. Uh, except he's played by Carrie Elwes. Yeah. I mean, except he's played by Carrie Elwes, uh, who Flophouse listeners will again remember as Bobby Wobbly from the Oogie <laughs> Bugs movie. His most iconic role. But I think I he does have he does have a pretty cool fake beard at one point. <laughs> that's true. His that it was so funny the whole time. I'm like, is that Carrie Elwes under that beard? I, I do like his late career turn into like sort of like venal <laughs> villains. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so the but I think it's all of this stuff is is not just off the fumes of Star Wars, but off the fumes of ancient Rome, right? I feel the like an- Carrie Elwes and Hugh Grant should have a movie where they're like dueling venal villains. <laughs> I would love that. That'd be amazing. Uh, where uh, ancient Rome, the Republic fell. There was a first uh, emperor. He's always talking who, about ancient Rome. <laughs> hey guys, how often do I think about ancient I thought Rome? I derailed him. No, but the 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 first emperor brought some kind of stability but still was not a good guy. And then when he fell, it was just a series of kind of crappy, more monstrous people for a while. Mm-hmm. And I would think that's the, that's the same kind of historical trope, trope they're going after, but it's not yeah. clear. It's not, they don't doing it well. You know, it's all, considering how much time is spent explaining things to us, by the end of the movie, I was like, I don't really understand this world or the people in it. You know? Yeah, so we get a little bit of this backstory from Jimmy the Robot because he <laughs> befriends a <laughs> Sam who is a local girl who mainly fetches water. This Every time you say it, it's like, Jimmy the Robot? You got You want some information? You got to go see Jimmy the Robot. Jimmy the Robot. <laughs> Beep boop. You, uh, you want pie calculated? <laughs> my, my memory banks are a little foggy. Perhaps a few microchips would clear them up. All right, Jimmy, fine. Here you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, beep boop. I seem to remember he was driving a black Lincoln town car. <laughs> <laughs> Through space, okay. <laughs> so, uh, But this is this scene between Jimmy the Robot and Sam, I think is the best scene in the movie by far. Yeah, What do you guys probably. think? It's, it's the only scene that felt like a real emotional connection to me. It does look like someone put in AI art prompts of robot with girl in idyllic setting, and it comes I, out like that. But. but, like, it helps that you have Anthony Hopkins delivering it. Yes, very I much so. I see what you're saying, but even at the time, I was like, what am I to make of this monarchist robot? <laughs> like, was he programmed like this? I was like, also, he, like, like droids in Star Wars, he seems to have, like, sentience. Uh, yes. But he's also, like... 
I don't know. He's collaborating with this evil government. He's also programmed. I, I mean, he's I, all, all I droids are slaves, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's just it's, except for IG-88, who's just a slave mm-hmm. to his need to kill. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and be dope. Yeah, that'd be cool. But I think you're right. It, uh, this, but also when I was watching the movie, this was still during my, I'm going to give this a fair shot phase. Yeah, so. sure, sure. Mm-hmm. So uh, we also learn that Princess Isha is, Isa is magic. Okay. That's <laughs> important. It's going to matter. Um, okay. So the villagers get together. They decide if they work hard enough, maybe the troops will let them keep some of their harvest. And I'm like, oh, that's not going to work. You fool. Did you and see fact- that guy beat the other guy to death with a, <laughs> yeah. with a bone cane? Uh, and in fact, it doesn't seem to work because Cora uh, tries to run off and instead she's waylaid because uh, she has to rescue Sam, the water-bearing villager, from being assaulted by these soldiers who are horrible and this scene sucks. Yeah, but yes. also, yeah, I mean, it sucks in the sense that like, you know, sexual violence in a blockbuster, like we, we don't need that necessarily. But It's uh, a different vibe than what I was expecting. <laughs> yes, but also- <laughs> It sucks in the Zack Snyder way because, of course, like there's a moment where like Cora get Cora's old, you know, warrior instincts get activated and everything goes into slow motion and she kills everybody. And I am so fucking sick of this in movies. Like I want. Some I hate to sense, break it to you, Dan. You're gonna have to get a lot more of it from this movie. I know. But yeah. But I want like some sense of actual danger. I don't want heroes that are like essentially superheroes in everything but name who can do all this awesome shit. Like I want to, I want the idea, like maybe someone might get hurt at some point and I now have some, some rooting interest in what's happening rather so Dan, than just you don't like, like you, so you're not going to like the scenes later when Cora is literally wading through fields of laser fire where none of the laser bolts hit her because of plot mechanics. Yeah. But, but yeah. I, she I, has plot yeah, armor. That's, like yeah. right? that's a flash. But even here in this fight, she's surrounded by guys with guns they never they almost never try to shoot her instead they keep rushing at her and it's yeah. like this is like ninja fighting in an 80s movie where mm-hmm. if you're up against one ninja it is a brutal fight but if you are up against 10 ninjas they each take their turn they wait yeah. until it's time for them to rush at you and they become less and less powerful each i i agree this this fight is and if it was in the 80s, that one ninja would be like Bolo Young or something, and you're like, that dude is so jacked. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There's no way he can have stealth. Like, this, yeah. this is crazy. He's not going to be able to sneak through If races. he's stealthy and that jacked, he's dangerous. Yeah, unstoppable. Uh, the, the, but I agree with you, Dan, that the there's a certain, there's a lack of stakes and a lack of weight and everything to yeah. these action yeah, scenes. Yeah, this, this action, this specifically, this, I think this might be the worst one. I don't this know. One the, the bar one's pretty bad too. They're, they're, they're bad. And especially like if you're trying to introduce Cora as your hero, who's yeah. also a badass, this, it, this does not bode well for the rest of the movie. I would rather yeah. see a hero who's like thinking things through and it's like, where can I find my advantages? You know, like, what can I do that would, plausibly make me able to take on a room full of people rather than just like, hey, now I can go into slow motion. Well, not uh-huh. too long ago, uh, my, my older son and I, we started watching Raiders of the Lost Ark, which he had never seen, which he's kind of lost interest in, which is too bad. I'd like to finish the movie, but but uh, he's- At least but, get into the final scene where all the faces melt off. Tell, no, that's tell, what he's afraid of. He doesn't want to see Sammy that part. for me that he's- Wrong, and he's hurt my feelings. <laughs> it's just that he doesn't want to see their faces melt. But the because because well, he's wrong about, about that, that too. <laughs> it hurts my feelings. But I, what, the thing that's so amazing about that movie, partly, is that Indiana Jones is constantly on the verge of failing, and sometimes yes. does fail. Like he when he succeeds at anything, I think people remember the part where he shoots the swordsman, and they forget every other moment where he is always behind the eight ball. He's always a step back from everybody. He's never a step yes. ahead, and he's constantly almost he's. No, he's just good enough to get himself in over his head, and have to figure out how to get out of it. And I'd love to. I'd love to see more of that 
type of hero. As fortunately, the only types of heroes we have now, Dan, are Korra or Star-Lord. They are either a total badass who's unstoppable or a doof idiot who just kind of stumbles his See, way through crap. You know? I, I, that's where you and I differ. Like, I, I like, I think Star-Lord is closer in spirit to Indiana Jones. It's just like- True. The, he, I think that's it, true, but I think he's he's a, he's a, he a guy who- should not be succeeding. Whereas Indiana Jones is like, oh, I just barely succeeded. You're, I think, is, I think, is I think is you're so imprinting how unlikable he can be sometimes. <laughs> Maybe that's it. Maybe that's what it yeah, is. Yeah. Okay, guys. So anyway, all, the- this this squad of soldiers is butchered by Kara, the defecting soldier heiress, and Jimmy the robot shows up in a clinch to shoot the last guy in the head. No, mm-hmm. no, he doesn't shoot the last guy. I thought he did. I no, thought the gun went off. Doesn't the other... I thought the other guy, like, it looked like he's like, has a gun. He's looking at it. Like, should I shoot? I thought the uh, like the nice quote unquote like bad guy was the one who shot, and I like don't Jimmy remember. just runs away. I, I read it as Jimmy the robot was holding okay. the gun uh, nonchalantly, well, and it went off and perfectly killed the guy. We'll Doesn't never matter. know because I'll never watch this movie ever. Yes, Doesn't matter. It is literally uh, not in, worth our finding. Tweet, out. tweet at Dan and ask, <laughs> tell him exactly how you read the scene. So this could uh, be Dan's ding dong gate. Mm-hmm. Hagen shows up and gives Cora back her guardian gun. What about Daz? Which, does Daz show up or just Hagen? Mm-hmm. Well, we'll get to Daz, <laughs> Ellie. Uh, so he gives Cora uh, back her guardian gun, which looks like a normal gun, just a little bit fancier. It's like what you would get if you, uh, you know, you bought the DLC uh, before buying the game. If you, oh, yeah, it's yeah. like a pre-order bonus. Um, okay. <laughs> Thanks for uh, putting it into terms I understand. Yep. Cora mm-hmm. uh, and Gunner uh, decide to uh, head off and find the Rebels, First stop, that's right, it's Providence, I guess the capital of the planet. Rhode Island. Yep, Providence, Rhode (laughs) Island. Look out for Cthulhu's. Um, Uh Uh-oh, everyone's got the Innsmouth look. Now, on that that trip, uh, Korra gives us a big backstory dump. Uh, And to summarize, her planet was destroyed. She was adopted by Belisarius uh, when she attempted to kill him because he was just wandering the burning city by himself murdering people. So now they're also Uh, ripping off from Gamora and Thanos. Yep. Uh, they've got some new stuff they're ripping off. Uh, she was forced to become a soldier uh, in a like a brutal military society. Um, there's a scene of her hoisting the standard of Mother World above a battlefield. Um, and then later on, we find out that she was assigned to protect, be like the bodyguard for Princess Issa. And again, she is magic. Princess By the Issa way, is magic. Issa can Every bring time, birds back to life. Mm-hmm. Every time Belisarius is mentioned, I think of Donald be Belisario, the creator mm-hmm. of Quantum Leap. Oh, that's so cool. That's just a All side. right, yeah. I think okay. of uh, Belisarius Call, the uh, Archmagos of the uh, Adeptus oh, Mechanicum, but that's okay. okay. That's just I you. have no that's just me. preconceived associations with Belisarius. <laughs> Belisarius Call's the guy who uh, practically invented the process of turning space marines into Primaris space marines, guys. Could oh. you? Where would the where would the, the Imperial Crusades be without? Primary uh, Space Marines. Also, yeah. Games Workshop wouldn't have any models to sell. Elliot cares more about a Brontosaurus. <laughs> I, I do. <laughs> true. I mean, that's true. I do care more about a Brontosaurus. Uh, look at him. We're he very slapped. happy together. He's yeah. Licking his lips. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I just want to eat that Brontosaurus so bad. <laughs> so they get to Providence. And if you were wondering, is this a. Is Providence a hive of scum and villainy? You'd be right. Mm-hmm. It totally you better is. believe it. But this is different than Star Wars' hive of scum and villainy because, again, the scum is rapier than in Star mm, Wars. F- mm-hmm. yeah, rapier and fewer aliens. 
Yeah. Uh, so as soon as they get to the cantina, they're trying to meet with the, the guy that Gunner was like the information broker that Gunner it's, used to get to so, in touch with the blood axes. It's so funny. They're like, we better lay low. Mother world could find out about us. Hey, anybody here know who gets in touch with the blood axes? Like <laughs> yeah. Their way of asking for, for information is just to literally ask people, just to go and ask them. There's no subterfuge or anything. There's so one they, alien in this in this bar that I like, which I yeah, will say. Oh, we'll, we'll get to that. The, okay, okay. So they, as they arrive to the bar, their contact is being taken away by Hawkshaws, which is the term for bounty hunters, bounty hunters. in this galaxy. Yeah. And the bounty hunters use a special device, which is like a walking robot thing that also like holds you, like constricts you. It's like a walking set of manacles, basically. That was pretty cool. Yeah, that's okay. They go inside. The bartender is, I think, a robot or an alien with these giant shoulder pads covered in candles. That is dope. <laughs> I'm a big fan. Yeah, mm -hmm. more, more of look, that. Yes. More of that, please. Uh, they learn, an alien puppeteer informs them that uh, through his humanoid puppet. <laughs> now I, yeah, that's I the alien the I like. That you're describing that. Yep. He uh, gives now, them a lead a, on- Now, we should make sure, not a puppeteer from Larry Niven's known space novels, like no. Ringworld. That's a different mm -hmm. type of puppeteer, that, that species. Well, also not like uh, a Muppeteer, like Jim Henson. This no, alien not at is all. not- inserting a hand anywhere. What, what no, is this alien? It's got like, its tentacles around the neck of a- I thought it was a dead body, but I guess it's just a, a, a man in a trance of some kind. Yeah, I feel like there might be some sort of benefit this man is getting from it too. Like it might be like a, <laughs> <It's> <laughs> a two-way I mean, relationship. Is, Belisarius is basically having sex with a tentacle alien later in the in the movie. And yeah. what I thought you're, was you're actually few, talking about uh, General uh, Admiral Atticus Noble. Oh, Belisarius right, Atticus is Noble, not, not fucking that's the right. Belisarius yeah. doesn't show up till the very end when he is. Uh, uh, also has a cool fake beard. So the alien puppeteer <laughs> gives them a lead on- The beard really throws me off when I first yeah. saw him. We'll get to that, yeah. The alien puppeteer gives them a lead on General Titus, now disgraced and uh, gladiating on Pollux. And they're like, we got to find this guy. He sounds awesome. Uh, they get in a bar fight with this horned up alien asshole. Uh, they kill it's a bunch like, of bad guys. Basically, Zack Snyder <laughs> saw Star Wars and he saw Dr. Evazan bothering Luke Skywalker and was like, Dr. Evazan is hitting on Luke Skywalker, right? Mm -hmm. Like he wants to have sex with him because that's what happens yeah. here is the the guy with a misshapen alien face uh, very aggressively uh, hits. Let's say, let's say Weinstein-esque fellow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's how he treats the uh, the farmer. He, and he assumes that Cora is this farmer's pimp, I guess. Mm -hmm. uh, but it leads so, to a big bar brawl. This leads to a big bar brawl and they come out of it with another member of their team. They team up with this scoundrel named Kai Played by, of course, that's right, Undeclared's Charlie Hunnam. Charlie Hunnam, <laughs> and, an actor. I hear Lost City of Z is very good. I haven't Lost seen City it. Lost City of Z is very good. good, and he's it's very good. good he's in really it. good. Like yeah. I, he's in general, like having not seen that, he's an actor that I'm like, oh, he's 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 good, but I have no particular feelings about him. But the amount of excitement I had that anyone with a spark of anything yeah. showed up. I'm like, oh, finally, I've been stuck with these two Dollsville people. Like, <laughs> at least you're doing something. <laughs> and on some level, he seems excited to be doing something other than the, like, thankless, yeah. boring hero role. Because I think yes. he's got a little bit of charm. And he often doesn't get to do that. Yes, I agree. I wish they gave him a more charming character to play, like this character. None, nobody's given or much just to more do. Yeah. Stuff to do. So he, more stuff to do, yes, yeah. So he, uh, you know, he's a little bit of a swindler scoundrel type, and he is like, hey, you guys are looking for fighters. I think I know some guys. I got a ship. Let's go. So they get on a ship and fly away. 
they head to, uh, oh yeah, at this point, we cut back to the Admiral uh, fucking a Atticus squid. Atticus Noble. It's pretty cool. Admiral Atticus Noble fucks a squid. Um, okay. <laughs> that was, again, one of the That's, few uh, moments where I'm like- in the bathroom. <laughs> it's one of the few moments where I was like, Okay, movie like this, I'd like to see more of. Just like this, this is not something I would see in Star Wars, mm-hmm. but in a in a in a kind of cool way that this guy yeah. is in a in a relationship with an alien. Yeah, I but, would like to see. Well, I would like to see another level to this character where he's maybe in like a like a loving, understanding relationship with this alien. <laughs> yes, mm-hmm. as opposed to here, where it seems like it is. It, it's the classic coding of evil Nazi is also a sexual deviant of some yep. kind, yep. and in that way, it applies uh, non traditional sexual roles to yep. evil. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, we're, I'm going to kind of go a little bit quickly because what we're doing is we're assembling a, a team. Idea. So we're assembling the team. We start in uh, Nay Wodi or New Wodi and we meet Tarok the Slave who is very muscly. This guy is fucking cut up. Yeah. And, and he, he is, has to ride a griffin in order to get his freedom. And he's coded like this is supposed to be the Native American style yes. He can talk to animals. He's all about the piece of nature. Yep. And yeah, mm-hmm. he's, he calms a griffin. We got uh, no time for that, though, because oh, okay. next is we're at Dagus and we meet Nemesis the Swordswoman, and she fights a drider. She fights a spider lady, which I kind of like. I'm like, I'm like, well, this is a nice little break in the movie mm-hmm. where I don't have to care about the larger plot. I can just no, see but, but here, a lady using a co- swords on a spider. I have, I have three issues with this. One, these yeah. are two great actresses who are both being not fully used. This is mm-hmm. Duna Bay from like The Host and from uh, and Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance, and mm-hmm. she's yep. fighting Jenna Malone, who plays the spider woman, the spider lady. Oh, I love that's, Jenna, that's Malone. Jenna Malone. Oh, yes, know. I've always been a huge. <laughs> Huge fan of Jenna Malone. I think she's amazing. I saw her in a production yeah. of Morning Becomes Electra once that she was fantastic in. But uh, the uh, but then there's a that's my main issue. These these actresses are not being used well too. The well the the fight she, sequence is kind of boring. The the setup arguably more interesting than anything else going on yes, in this movie. I agree. That Jenna Malone is a spider woman named Harmada who is she lives in a mining colony and she's stealing human children because her own children have been killed basically by the pollution caused by the mining community. And like, that should be, that should be the plot of your movie. But it's, instead it's a, it becomes, these people are talking to Nemesis, the swordswoman. She fights this monster. At no point does anyone try to help her fight the monster. They know this is just it's her. Because pretty funny. The movie is just, this is her show off scene. So they don't, they just stand there while she almost gets killed. And then uh, they cut to her on the spaceship. So we never even find out why she decided to join them. But three, uh, she is the Asian actress, Asian character. So of course, her, her thing is all about there was no honor in this kill, and the music yeah. is very kind of like stereotypical Asian-y sounding. Like, it, why if we're in outer space, why do all these people have to be coded like specific human ethnicities? You know, it feels very yeah. feels very limiting. You know, it feels very stereotypical and limiting. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so let's keep moving because now we're on Pollux, and we find Titus the general who is now uh, sleeping off a drunk in the sewer, uh, and they clean him up. And this is okay, of course, Chaman Hansu, always great. He's this mm-hmm. guy's been in so many uh, science fiction movies. I mean, they're assembling <laughs> point, a good yeah. cast. It's a shame that I don't know anything about any of them or care about. They quickly them. convince him to team up. He's like. I can't be a general anymore. They're like, yes, you can. He's like, okay. <laughs> this, that was, that was, this part was bonkers. He, he's, he spent years angry at himself for, for killing, having his men die. He's been a gladiator. They give him a bath and she says, what about revenge? And he looks at her and he joins. Has he never thought of the idea of revenge in the decades, I guess, or years at least that he's been a gladiator? It's so dumb. It's so now ridiculous. That- 
we're almost done assembling the team. I I really I'm sorry for uh, taking a moment, but I want to talk a little bit about my biggest like narrative problems with this thing because cool. this movie. Okay, it's no secret this movie is the Seven Samurai in space, or you know, pick your poison, Magnificent Seven in space. Uh, well, Magnificent Seven uh, is just Seven Samurai in the West. Yeah. yeah what? Yeah. But like, but but as I was texting <laughs> Elliot, like. That makes perfect sense, right? Because Star Wars itself, very influenced by Akira Kurosawa, very influenced by Westerns. Yes. So all of this stuff in the mix makes sense. The the main problem with it is like you're taking a bunch of influences that were digested into a a third thing and then you're throwing them back on the digested thing so it feels like very derivative by this point. It feels like instead of – you you go to an old house – that has had yeah. the original moldings and things covered by new features. And you're like, I don't like these new features. I want to go back to the original. Let me put copies of the originals on top yeah. of the new stuff that's on top of the <laughs> mm-hmm. old stuff. Yeah. So, but my one problem I have with this, though, just like on a plot level, is the thing about either Seven Samurai or Magnificent Seven, you have or these, Or Seven like, with David Fincher movie, which is not, there's not <laughs> the same way. Seven means the, something different there, yeah. The villain is like- Or these, Lucky this, Number Eleven Samurai. <laughs> The villain is this this local warlord. So by assembling a team to fight them off, you can the villagers plausibly can, you know, overcome their problem and everything's fine thereafter. Whereas in this case, their problem is like one ship from a giant galactic evil empire is threatening them. So even if they fight this ship off, like they've marked themselves for death. So that's problem number one that I have. And number two yeah. that I have is like, these people are like running after, like chasing the bad guys are chasing the good guys throughout this, you know, because they want the blood who whoever's or whatever. Like, but I'm I'm just like, why not go back to the goddamn moon, <laughs> wait for them to all come up, have like an overwhelming force, and take them there. You know where they live. Like, why is this all happening this way? I, so I both of those that, things caused a problem for me. I think your the plotting is slipshod and messy and doesn't make sense. But I think there's two two explanations I'll give to that, which okay. just to, to give the movie the benefit of the doubt. One, they don't really care about that village. That village is not that important. In the yeah, but they can use things, it as bait, I'm saying. So. But they don't know the blood axes are going to be convinced to go to the village yeah, because yeah, if yeah. you were the head of a rebellion that was fighting a giant intergalactic empire and somebody came to you and said, hey, would you just defend my little village? Then you would say, I'm busy. <laughs> I've got other stuff to do. <laughs> but the other yeah. thing is they want Korra because they – they think Cora might, might be uh, what's her what was her the other name Art, I don't remember yeah and she also known as the Scar Giver and she is as the adopted daughter of Belisarius she she is very valuable uh, as I, it's, sure it's but again they can just w- wait for her to come back to like the place I don't know it but seems don't like think. a waste of resources look did Luke ever go back to Tatooine not for a long time and they've seen Star Wars so they're like seems we like gotta Star chase Wars him for a does while does nothing but go back to Tatooine well okay yeah, now that I mean, they have most of their team they show okay, up sorry. on Sharnan I think or Shanan Shanana uh, is Shana- this where yep. King Levitica the, the yep. squid man is? they meet is- with King Levitica the squid man <laughs> and uh, he has been uh, kind of protecting the blood axes and the blood axes show up, and they have a little conversation. We meet Darian and uh, Deborah Bloodaxe, and Darian, after hearing their plea, 
realizes that he they are at some level at fault for the problems of this village. So he is going to uh, he is going to join them, and he convinces some of his followers to join as well. And this was kind of a funny moment when he starts to give a speech to his troops. And it cuts to the assembled, you know, the heroes, and they like look like, oh, check this out! <laughs> oh, wow, he's good at this. He's giving a speech. Um, uh, Kai at this point uh, also agrees. You know, he's been shelling them around, but he's like, you know what? I'm going to fight too. And I was like, he didn't already agree to fight, uh, but he says he's going to fight. But he has to do one last job first. He has to go drop off some stuff, and they're like. Uh, okay, that's fine. I mean, you're driving us, so, I mean, that's only fair. That's <laughs> and it is very ba- funny to see the heroes helping him unload the cargo from his, from his <laughs> <station>. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, oh, I guess you just didn't want to pay a task rabbit to do this. Yeah. Like, you, you have us doing it? Do we get pizza, space pizza afterwards? Help uh-huh. you move these boxes? But before he can finish that job, uh, Admiral Atticus Noble and his uh, dreadnought show up at Shannon. And he, they blow up the whole planet, <laughs> uh, which, yeah, they do that. I mean, it's— A lot of collateral damage for this uh, farm the, Yeah, there's just something about the, the, like, decision to wipe out a planet being that simple, being really kind of— like, it becomes too much, and it makes it less impactful. Yeah. Well, it's the di- I hate to keep going back to the Star Wars well. It's the difference between Alderaan being destroyed in the first Star Wars and the whatever the head— of the lead planet is in um, Force Awakens that gets blown up. We're in the first Star Wars. Like, even though you're only seeing Princess Leia's reaction to it, it's treated as a big thing. Like, this yeah. is a big, big thing that they've just done, and it's heartbreaking. And then in Force Awakens, they're like, oof, I guess we blew up a planet. It was the planet with the government on it. <laughs> oof, oh, what did let's I keep do going. last night? <laughs> <laughs> was I blowing up planets last night? <laughs> So after the after our heroes, uh, they're all on this like space station, like a giant floating space dock, and they're unloading boxes. And of course, <laughs> Kai pulls a fucking. Of course, they're like, Kai do you have the him. right permits to unload yeah. these boxes? And yeah. then they go down to the. I would find that way more interesting. <laughs> if they no, turn we said into zone twelve. You're in. You're parked in zone ten. Go to zone yeah. twelve. <laughs> so Kai betrays them. Uh, the boxes they're carrying burst open, and they turn into those robot uh, manacle things. Uh, he is one of those bounty hunters. He's a Hawkshaw. He's a Hawkshaw. Uh, and this, this is, I, I, it's supposed to feel like a big betrayal, but again, we barely know these characters. We don't care that much about them. Mm-hmm. Like, who cares? Uh, uh, Atticus Noble shows up with a little space shuttle, and he starts walking around explaining all the hero's cool qualities, uh, which <laughs> I'm like, funny. man, that's, I'm like, that sounds great. I haven't seen him do shit. I don't give a fuck about these people. And the thing is, I, I mentioned on a re- recent podcast how much I love fiction where they like hint at how awesome or tough somebody is for a while. And you like, you learn through their reaction how like cool or scary a bad guy or a hero is. But I feel like this movie spends so much time just like telling you about people, and then when you get to them, you're like, I don't, I don't care. I <laughs> like they're not doing anything. <laughs> recently, how much I love assembling a team, and this movie's nothing but that, and it biffs it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, but I, I'll give them this. I really appreciate. It feels like they adapted a six-issue old Marvel comic storyline and didn't take any of the exposition out that was in each <laughs> issue in case that was the first issue that you read. So it's yeah. like it's like if the if it, halfway through a Daredevil movie, someone just went, ah, Daredevil, whose heightened senses allow him to, to see mm, things with his radar mm. sense. Like, yeah, that was established, but then in case someone just walked into the movie now. So, okay, but this, so this, this moment was very helpful to me in clarifying who these characters were supposed to be. Not in an interesting way, yeah. but, you know. 
Uh, and now, Kai, at this point, we have learned that when you are manacled into one of these things, that you can take, like, basically, what, like a pneumatic bolt pistol it's type like a, thing yeah, it's and like, blast like him in the back of the head. You're like, it's like a reverse, uh, what's his name? Tarker? Ant- Tarker from, from, uh, from No Country for Old Man? Anton Chigurh. Yeah. Chigurh, thank you. It's like a reverse one of those, because instead of hitting you in the forehead, it's hitting you in the, in the back of the head. And, mm-hmm. uh, and. It for some reason it, it it fits perfectly into these manacles in a That's funny way. Well, for some reason, it's a very inefficient way to do it this. It also unlocks all of these manacles, so giving the thing was maybe not the best idea. Yeah, we don't we it's, don't know that part yet. It, it's um, a they combination key and mm. extermination device. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Kai makes a big show of making sure that Gunner, who is the only one of our heroes who isn't in manacles because he's too much of a wimp yeah. and not a threat. He's just they a give farmer. Him, they give him the, the bolt pistol and they're like, you are going to have to, you're going to have to paralyze your friends and I will step away. Everybody else don't look. Uh, <laughs> and he, of course, pulls a fast We'll give you as much time as you need to make this decision. He <laughs> releases his friends and he kills Kai very quickly. And I'm like, oh, Charlie Hunnam's gone. Um, we have a battle. The battle is, let's say, not particularly interesting. Uh, I, but in the middle of it. I, I have to say, I checked out hard during this battle. I could not, I didn't yes. keep track of who was doing what. I didn't care. It, did, it was so was, boring and so so dark and hard to see yeah, what's happening. Yeah, for me, it was and, the biggest news the uh, yeah. so there's the older like, I get, the less I'm interested in big gunfight laser battle scenes, and this was like the apex of that of me just yeah. being like, well, how do, let me just get to the point where I've, where the bad guys are falling on the ground and the good guys are standing up still. Mm-hmm. Well, the bad guys have like a little space shuttle that it features a single pilot who seems to be piloting, also manning the guns, and it's an exposed canopy, <laughs> which is perfect. I'm glad Dar- that you made that. That is something I noticed that I was like, this is a bad design for this major military uh, weapon. <laughs> so this, and he's like blasting the crap out of the like little fighter ships that Darian Bloodaxe brought along. And then Darian Bloodaxe, to sac- he sacrifices himself to save his troops and everybody else by like jumping on with a giant spear and like killing the uh, killing the pilot. But he himself dies. The shuttle crashes onto the dock, which separates a section, leaving Cora and Noble to fight on this tiny little platform. She has no weapon. He has that cool <coughs> metal bone staff that he has yep. been beating people up with, but it's not enough. She beats the shit out of him super fast and stabs him with his own staff and kicks his ass off the platform. We're like, oh, he's dead. Too bad. I liked him. Uh, they return. <laughs> I hope that squid's going to be okay. Uh, they return. Uh, <laughs> the the uh, next uh, scene should have been the squid crying over his body. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, like it's the like the fucking rancor keeper bit. Yeah. We're like, yes. What a moment. What a great movie. Um, yeah. And then- well, uh, It's got Sor- its flaws, that one, but you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what are you talking about? The uh, <laughs> So they return, uh, our heroes return to the village on Velt. They have this moment where they're like, oh, that place looks like a nice place to die. And I'm like, yeah, it would have been, dude. I wish the fight had been here instead of on this shitty, boring, well, dark dock. It will dock. be. It will be in part two or, or part um, three. And speaking of part two or part three, we see Noble is picked up by his buddies. They retrieve his body. They force him into this like futuristic Skype call with his boss who threatens <laughs> him. And then they revive him. And that's the end of the movie. Yeah. And we so did it. Child of, of the, fire. Was one of the fighters that goes to the village at the very end, was it that one member of Blood Axe's Rebellion who has a couple lines who it, yep. it's implied? So okay, so there's this when Bloodaxe is like giving his speech, he's like, "Are we gonna f- help these people?" And one person goes, "I'll go with you, if only to to keep you from dying." And then later, when he sacrifices himself, she's like, "No," and goes into berserker anger shooting. And mm-hmm. I don't know the character's name. I don't know who it's they like, are. I think it was like Milius. 
Maybe yeah, something obviously like that. a reference to John Milius, the director, <laughs> who also likes shooting things while screaming. Yeah, mm-hmm. but the but I, it, it was just one of these things where it was like you can't you can't just throw in this character with this amount of shorthand and then have me treat them as a as a major you, you hero. Remember the you group. don't think he can because I think Zack Snyder thinks he can. I think like, he just did. Uh, yeah. What a what so we a did it, guys. We made it through that uh, whole know, movie. Yeah, I want to commend was, you, Stuart. Thanks. You did a great job. And a half hour film ably. Synopsized without too much of the crap left in, uh, and you and you came to the lore master himself over here. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> Arc Magos Stewart. Now, speaking of lore, what's great about Rebel Moon is it's not just a movie; it's not just a series of movies. They've already it's announced a multimedia the, experience. It is. They, they've already announced the oh. huge multimedia world. There's going to be a role playing game. There's going to be a graphic novel. There's going to be. Uh, they're already talking about. TV series prequels that go with it. They're talking about <sighs> other movies that are prequels, and it's like that. Oh, a Who's narrative podcast Zach was announced. <laughs> Zack Snyder's company, but it just—it feels like such a. This is one of those times where they're really putting the cart before the horse. I feel like. Yeah. Uh, this is this is the, this is this year's yeah, dark universe. Rolling down yes, the letterbox exactly. reviews, like even like you know you get the 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 outliers, like the real true Snyder hardcore people, but like mm-hmm. I feel like even. The people who are inclined to maybe not hate everything Zack Snyder are giving this bad reviews. We're just bored by it, et cetera. So I, I don't know. I don't know about these, the future I mean, for the part, part two is definitely coming out because the universe. They, they already released the teaser, which looks like more of the same. Like yeah. there's nothing. There's it, it's not new. Oh, the, the uh, That's there was going to be part like, two. The Scar Giver, right? The Scar Giver. Yeah. Uh, great. We can find. Yeah, there's a comic book series scars. that's going to depict the backstory for the Blood Axe siblings. Wow. Uh, they've already talked oh, about uh, an Atticus Noble prequel Just of let some kind. A thing be one thing, and then oh, maybe no, it's if it's a, successful, it's a, it can be a few other a, things. It's a Balasarius no TV series. That's what it is. Yeah. Well, that's it, when Star Wars came out. It's not like people were like, "Okay, finally, we can make a hundred thousand things off of this." Like, see if it works once, and if it works once, yes. then then build on it. You know. Um, well, speaking of whether it works, we should get. On the other hand, Zack Snyder is much more successful than us. Final. It's true. Maybe I'm yeah, wrong. Yeah, that's the one marker of anything. Yeah. Uh, final judgment. Worthington's Law. Yeah. Is it a good bad movie? A bad bad movie? A movie you kind of liked? I want to say something here. As <laughs> Elliot, guys, can I say something? Can I get real? As <laughs> I want to fuck this movie. No, oh, wait, Dan's turning his <laughs> so chair around. He's straddling the chair. Um. As Elliot referenced, normally I'm the soft touch on the Flophouse podcast. Mm-hmm. Look back at the last episode uh, about a full movie. Uh, I was the one who kind of liked it. God help me. I kind of enjoyed watching the Snyder Cut of Justice League, at least in so much as I thought it was yeah. more interesting than the other cut. And mm-hmm. there's certain bits in it that I thought was like, okay, sure, why not? Uh, yeah, yeah, this, yeah, Speed Force. This fucking movie, though, like— <laughs> It's not the most boring thing we've seen. It's certainly not the most incompetent thing we've seen. But the more we do this podcast, the movies that I, the only movies I outright hate are the ones that feel like utterly bereft of any kind of original imaginative spark and just feel like a thing that was made because there was money over here and because this this is the kind of thing they think people might want to see yeah yeah and i like this movie is garbage well i would say i would say (laughs) 
I mean, it is a movie that has no reason for existing. This, it, nothing about it is interesting or exciting. It's not making point. And Zack Snyder, say what you will about him. He's a director who, for the most part, makes movies where I feel like he really wants to make that movie. And he yeah. really cares about what yeah. the movie is doing and saying. Like, I don't love I his movies. I think he's but he, he supposed loves, to be a nice enough man, from what I understand. And, and when he has a, you can see in his movies a passion for what he's doing and for the storytelling. Yeah. Going all the way back to like, 300 and Watchmen and was it Dawn of the Dead he did, right? Like Dawn a, of the Dead. Yeah, probably like, his strongest movie probably because strongest he's movie. got a good got a, script. Guys, it's yeah. got a CGI zombie, baby. <laughs> yeah, and I would take, or you look at a previous Flophouse Zack Snyder movie, Sucker Punch, a movie I do not like, but the entire mm-hmm. time it feels like it is the vision of a specific artist yep. who is yeah. working in a palette I don't like, the composition I don't like, the end product I don't like, the style and the tone I don't like, but it feels unique in its own way. Whereas this feels like, it wouldn't surprise me if somebody else made this and then Zack Snyder like put his name on it afterward. Like it feels like (laughs) someone who is trying their hardest to make a Zack Snyder-ish thing, but without any of that passion or that inspiration. And you're right, Dan, it's like, like when I was, like I was saying at the beginning, watching this movie, I was like, why don't I like this? It's so completely lifeless and predictable. Whereas I like cheesy science fiction stuff. And I like it when it's cheesy, partly because it feels mm-hmm. like it's full of energy. And this is so, it, it's just dead. It lies there dead, you know? And it's, there's nothing going on there. So Stuart, 12 yeah. stars, what do you- Yeah, here's the thing. So if you want, if you want <laughs> so Star Wars, but, if you want Star Wars but funny, you got Spaceballs. You want Star, <laughs> you want Star Wars that's like a little bit racy. There's like a million Star Wars porn parodies. Mm-hmm. If you want Star Wars, but it's like I don't know more of a Western. There's fucking Firefly and shit. If you if want you, heavy metal, go watch The Fifth Element. If you want, and if you want or heavy metal, if you want a Star Wars that's specific, like a science fiction movie or a story that's about assembling a team, watch a fucking playthrough of Mass Effect Two. That shit's awesome. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you could easily, just do that. Just Google it. Just do um, it. Just do it. Uh, is that yeah, copyrighted? Is, can we use that? You can, we can just do it. You I think it's well, Mickey Mouse it is in the public domain now. I think just do it is also, yeah, just probably, Everything right? is now. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's, I think this is a bad, bad. And the biggest thing is that it is just like, it is just warmed over, warmed over, warmed over stuff. And you're not going to see anything that even remotely feels new, except for maybe the candles on the shoulders bartender. <laughs> or may, maybe like this, maybe when he, uh, even, uh, you know, I was going to say even when Nemesis is fighting the Spider-Woman, but he, the Spider-Woman is even just warmed over Angelica Houston from Moonwalk, from uh, from Captain EO. So like yeah. the, there's there's <laughs> stuff in here, that, there's there's so many, but anytime you see like a bartender who's a robot god with candles on his shoulders, who's an alien, you're like, mm-hmm. oh, somebody, somebody in this was like, was trying, was doing something original. Yep. And I wish there was more of that. Yeah, more mm-hmm. of it. Hello, everyone out there. Thank you for coming to our service. Yes. We are ready to heal you. you. We are Ross and Carrie. We are faith healers. Yes, Yes, you there. Yes, sir. You have a spirit of... Not listening to enough podcasts. We have the solution for that. Oh, we can cure you. You should listen to Oh No, Ross and Carrie. Hallelujah. Mm -hmm. It's on Maximum Fun. I couldn't have said it better myself. Yes, ma'am. Yes, you there. Gladys. A, A spirit of boredom? Oh my goodness, we have the solution for you. It is to listen to the podcast. Oh, oh no, no, Ross, Ross and, and Carrie. The human mind can be tricky. Your mental health can be complex. Your emotional life can be complicated. So it helps to talk about it. 
I'm John Moe. Join me each week on my show, Depression Mode with John Moe. It's in-depth conversations about mental health with writers, musicians, comedians, doctors, and experts. Folks like Noah Khan, Sashir Zameda, and Surgeon General Vivek Murthy. We talk about depression, anxiety, trauma, imposter syndrome, and perfectionism. We have the kind of conversations that a lot of folks are hesitant to have themselves. Listen, and you won't feel as alone, and you'll have some laughs, too. Depresh Mode for Maximum Fun at MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcasts. The Flophouse is sponsored in part by Rocket Money. Bored by all those rockets and Rebel Moon? <laughs> How about Rocket Money instead? You know, it's you know, there's less uh, space opera, but it'll help you more with your personal finances. Uh, here's a question. If I asked you how many subscriptions you have, would you be able to list all of them and how much you're paying? <laughs> exactly, what are Stuart. You, a cop? <laughs> the amount you're spending <laughs> may surprise you. Rocket Dan, you money. have to tell him if he asks you. Uh, the, <laughs> that's a canard. Rocket Money can help find no, and cancel unused <laughs> subscriptions. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. This sounds good to me. Uh, all you have to do is take a picture of your bill, and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. Hey, you know, it's a new year. Why not clean out the cupboard of those unused, unwanted subscriptions? Uh, you can cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash flop. That's rocketmoney.com slash flop. Rocketmoney.com slash flop. Hey, guys. You're probably listening to this uh, podcast on the internet. And you know what's on the internet? Websites. Well, okay. You know how you get your <laughs> own website? The best way to do that shit is with Squarespace. Squarespace is the all-in-one platform that gives you the tools you need to make a really cool website because you know what you need? That's right, a website. So, <laughs> some of the things Squarespace mm. offers, they give you information on uh, how many people and who is visiting your website and what they're doing with that information. They have all the stuff you need to set up a web store uh, so you can take money and you can build your business. Um, and with their next generation website design system, uh, you can uh, take your own creativity and you can add a little bit of juice thanks to what uh, Squarespace mm, is juice. providing. So you need to head to <laughs> squarespace.com slash flop for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, which you should be soon, use offer code flop to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Very exciting, and there's also some very exciting Flophouse promotional news. As you may have heard at the very top of this episode, if you didn't skip through it, the Flophouse is going on tour at the end of January. That's right. It's a four-city West Coast tour. All the cities of the West Coast that matter. Just kidding. Seattle, we still like you, but we're not going to this time. Mm -hmm. We're going to four cities on January 24th. We'll be in Vancouver, Canada, to talk about the movie Cobra. On January 25th, we'll be in Portland, Oregon, to talk about the movie Cool as Ice. On January 26th, we'll be in San Francisco as part of the San Francisco Sketchfest at Cobb's Comedy Club talking about Gili. And on January 28th, we'll be in Los Angeles at the Regent Theater talking about Spawn. That's right. It is in all 90s except for the 80s and also early 2000 <laughs> movie. 
and we that's can't wait to be. That's the theme. Thank you. <laughs> that's the theme. We can't wait to be in front of you, in entertaining you, uh, meeting fans. We love these live shows. We're so excited to do them again. We want you to come out and talk to us. Uh, we're going to be doing presentations. We're going to talk about the movies, and I'm sure we'll be shaking hands afterwards. Maybe kissing babies. We'll see. Bring mm-hmm. a baby. We'll find out. And the tickets. They're all in one place, kind of. If you go to flophousepodcast.com slash events, it will lead you to all the information about those shows and also where to buy tickets. Some tickets are still available. They are going at a pretty good clip, so we hope that you have a chance to buy them before they go bye-bye themselves. Bye before bye-bye. Thank you. We also want to remind you <laughs> – thank you, Stuart, for applauding for me. Uh, we also want to remind you that Flop TV – may be over in terms of new episodes. But those videos are going to be up online through the end of January, so you can still buy a season's pass if you go to theflophouse.simpletix.com. You can buy a season pass and watch all six of those recordings of season one of Flop TV, season two, TBD. And you can you can binge them all and watch us get older each episode. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One month each, <laughs> but, uh, each episode. Each time. Yeah. I did look at a, a photo recently that was like at most two years older. And I'm uh-huh. like, why have I aged so much? Mm-hmm. What happened? I feel like things have been going on in the world, Dan, that yeah, might it could age be, you. Could yeah, be. I think so, um, very much so. Yeah, but uh, yeah, if you're interested, um, we're nearing the end of the Flop TV window just to... Uh, Check it out before the end of January. Buy it it before it goes bye-bye. Buy Mm -hmm. before bye-bye. That's my new slogan. Mm -hmm. Uh, But if you want to see us in person, it'll still – it's still happening. If you're in Vancouver, Portland, San Francisco, or Los Angeles at the end of January, flophousepodcast.com slash events. And again, to buy a season pass, watch those videos before they're gone, theflophouse.simpletix.com. Dane, did you buy all your outfits for those live shows yet? Oh, shit. Oh, no. oh no. Dan told me he was going to buy an outfit themed to each city. Let's <laughs> <laughs> not set expectations <laughs> that we can't deliver on. And we have a Jumbotron, and here it is. It goes like this. Hey, Peaches lovers, I know a lot of you love comics, and I know, and I hope you will love my upcoming book, How Comics Were Made, a visual history from the drawing board to the printed page. The book looks at 130 years of newspaper comics, how artists drew their work for reproduction, and the bizarre and complicated processes that transformed them for print. The book heads to crowdfunding in February 2024. See a preview at howcomicswermade.inc. And in this case, that's I-N-K, like the things that people draw with. The things, the stuff. And sign up for an announcement or free newsletter. Once again, that call to action is why don't you visit howcomicswermade.ink to find out more and sign up for a free newsletter and book announcement. That sounds like a book I might be interested in. Uh, hey. Well, look at this. Hey. Hey. Hey, hey. guys. Look at this. Get this off first, of my cloud. <laughs> this first letter, you know, uh, pertains to what we were just talking about, these live shows. Uh, mm. This is from... Jimay, last name withheld, who writes, see you at your live show at the Aladdin on January 25th. My son won't let me come home from the show without a signed dedication and his copy of Sharko and Hippo, so don't let me down. I love my family and would miss them terribly. Don't know if you guys have excellent advanced PR work or just a fan at the best historic community-owned theater in the world, but I just nabbed tickets to the Hollywood Theater's January 20th showing of Cool as Ice. 
I was wondering how I'd be able to sit down and enjoy the movie as, as opposed to just slogging through it alone on my sofa before your show. And this is it. It's that is that is a blast to watch with a crowd. It is. We yeah. uh Stuart and I did we introduce it? Yeah, we did yeah. an introduction at the Nighthawk. At the Nighthawk and <laughs> oh boy, was that fun. Uh so if you this uh this enterprising listener who may or may not have some attachment to this theater, who knows? But it's good it's good to get out there. I don't even know why you would plant that suspicion in the minds of the listeners. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, either the way. The fix is in. <laughs> I, don't, I mean, I don't care because, you know, if you want to see this movie before the show, the best way to do it is probably with, with a big a audience. Yeah. And it, it's a lot, it is a lot of fun. It's a bad movie. So uh, this person says, if you got a chance between now and the 20th, let the world know they can join fellow flop fans of the Hollywood five days before your show. And they also say if you have any free time in Portland, drop by Movie Madness, the video store owned by the Hollywood Theater, and see their memorabilia along with uh, a stunning collection of rentable movies. So that's a tip from out there in the world. Rent? Wait, you can rent a movie? Uh, yeah. Okay. In this economy? <laughs> I mean, this economy, like renting them piecemeal would probably be better than. It's yeah. piecemeal, you mean like a scene at a time, like on the installment plan? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh-huh. <laughs> a, a penny a minute. <laughs> um, uh, and, that's, a, that's a pretty good deal for a regular length movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, let's start it. <laughs> okay. Let's, oh, yeah. Let's shutter the flop house and pivot into penny a minute movie rentals. Yeah, it's called First, we have to buy up a catalog. Yeah, Pennyworth <laughs> movies. Yeah, and when and when your time's up, like a little screen lowers down over your screen, so you can't mm-hmm. see it anymore. Yeah, and you could talk to the movie on a little handset phone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh yeah, Elliot knows. I'm, Elliot's <laughs> been there. <laughs> no, I haven't been. Elliot knows what I'm talking about. I He's don't. a nasty boy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> Elliot's the nicest boy. What? So this? Well, I'm not that next, either. Let's. I'm. I'm middle. I'm in the middle. This yeah. next late. This is the next later. This, this next, next ladle. ladle. <laughs> this next ladle. It it has holes in it, so it doesn't hold the soup that well. But you could like you could get it's a potato out of a stew with it. Right for your needs. I guess during I'm our just... recording break, Dan did a bunch of whippets. <laughs> <laughs> this, this next ladder. This next letter goes like this. Why do birds suddenly appear every time you talk about movies? Scott, last name withheld, but it's me, Weinberg, the overhated guy. From the Artemis file episode. Makes a good point. Why are all these birds in here, Elliot? <laughs> You're the one who leaves your windows open when you record. Oh, that's true. That's, that's a, true. a lovely, uh, a lovely poem by, yeah, by Scott original work. <laughs> <laughs> I just found out that Dan's wife doesn't like poetry, and I'm like, any kind? Not even like not, <laughs> not even, even like Christmas commercial cars. jingles. <laughs> <laughs> Not what even about the like cars a for telegram. kids song. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I I get it. <laughs> I mean, there's some poetry I like, but it's of the, of the written arts. I'm just like, why don't you just give this to me in some prose? <laughs> prose works uh, pretty well for uh, most beauty? applications. <laughs> because yeah. Mm. <laughs> no, no, thank you. <laughs> Plot only, is it please. That, is it that beautiful? <laughs> Uh, Robert Frost, just tell me that I should take some chances sometimes. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Well, yeah, and Keats, I just, calm I'm, down. I'm just not I get it, Edgar Allan Poe. You're sad your wife died. There's a bird in the room. I left your you left your windows open too. I get it. I, maybe it's controversial. I'm just not going to sit down and read a lot of poetry. That's I I'm not trying to say that no one should feel that way. Uh, or everyone should feel that way. Like people should. Enjoy I mean, I feel like the New York they, Times agrees with you, didn't they? Just, just end not, their poetry column. Not that into I it. Think they did. Um, uh, now, uh, Dan, I'm now imagining you uh, sitting next to the ancient mariner, <laughs> going, "Speed it up, will you? <laughs> Wrap it up." <laughs> I'm you yeah, he does here. take a long time to tell a pretty and they do need to get story. to a wedding. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like, yeah, 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 okay, you killed a bird and then things went <laughs> south for you. I get it, man. I mean, guys, if a if a dude just walked up to you on the street and started telling you this story, right, you'd be like, get out of here. Get out of here, man. <laughs> I mean, an old man just, and I have to be somewhere. Again, they're on their way to a wedding, and he's like, yeah, You're like, yeah, is but that let a, me tell you more. Is that a bird around your neck? And he's like, <laughs> Well, it's a long story. He's like, no, I'm not interested. <laughs> no, no, let me tell you. So, he, well, okay. I, not to nitpick, he doesn't have the bird anymore. It fell off of his neck when he realized that all God's creatures should be loved. So you're saying that maybe he put, he just got used to it, now he has a different bird around his neck? Yeah. Well, that's <laughs> yes. a, it's a style thing. He's used to that fucking bling. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you're like, now I've got a peacock around my neck pretty sharp, right? I mean, damn, that's a cool bird. <laughs> I wonder what its brains would taste like. <laughs> Gotta make a souffle out of them. Let's move into uh, a casserole. What did what did the Sun King eat? He had like <laughs> casseroles with peacock brains or some crap, something like that. Let's move that into that was the letters bag. That oh, wow. was the letters segment. We sewed it up tight. No letters can't get out anymore. Keep your eyes on that bag. The letters mm-hmm. are trying to escape, and if they do, all hell will break loose. We gotta keep them in there. Luckily, we hired a new security guard, Ben Stiller. Oh, no. <laughs> All sorts of shenanigans are going to happen overnight. That's right. It's night at the letter bag. Night at the letter bag. The letters are closed. Okay. Well, uh, changing it up for 2024. Uh, mm-hmm. Now the letter lot- songs end the segment. <laughs> Interesting. Until uh, I forget. Mm-hmm. Um, let's uh, bring this episode to a close with the final segment which is, pardon me, recommendations of movies that you should definitely watch instead of this. I mean, you don't have to watch it. I'm just saying don't watch No, yeah, I, if, like, if, if our recommendation would be just don't watch Rebel Moon, watch no movies at all. Yeah. If, if Rebel Moon's the only option, <laughs> then yeah. Don't um, read, don't sit around and read poetry. <laughs> you can do it don't if do you, that. If that's what you enjoy, God bless you. I'm just saying it's never yeah. God much will bless you with the beauty of poetry. There's, there's some yeah. poets I like. I like Yeats. Yeats has got yeah. some stuff. Name two I'm Yeats just, poems you like. Now I'm challenging Dan. Uh, there's that one about walk softly because I'm walking on my dream. You're walking on my dreams. And there's that <laughs> one about, you uh-huh. know, how the falcon can't <laughs> hear the falconer anymore. <laughs> Because yeah, the guy sure. has widened too much. Yeah, yeah. Second come. Yeah, yeah. What rough beast, et cetera. <laughs> anyway. Okay, what's another poet that you like? So Yates, okay. Uh, Billy Butler. There's some Dickinson I like. You know, she keeps it short. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> so you're, what you do with this is, is you're a poet. You, you like poetry that doesn't take up your time. Mm-hmm. You're not uh, one for a thanatopsis. There's that. Uh, variations on a theme by William Carlos Williams was a very funny poem <laughs> by okay, Kenneth sure. Cock. Look that so one you're up. more of you're more of an Ogden Nash type poetry reader, you know, short silly poems. <sighs> I mean, yeah, if I had a choice between a short and silly poem and a long and non-silly poem, yes, I'm going to go with short and silly. That's my okay. personal preference. Again, apologies if I've broken the hearts of any poets out there. 
you know, if you find beauty in it, that's enough. You know mm-hmm. what? Um, oh, anyway, oh, let, hold on. There's some angry letters coming through the transom right now uh, from mm-hmm. a from a first name first name withheld Naruda. Oh no! <laughs> I'm familiar with his works. Okay, uh, uh, here's, but here's one from uh, William Carlos, last name withheld. Thanks, Dan. <laughs> sure. Yeah, well, he shouldn't have eaten my goddamn plums if he wanted me to like his shit. He was so busy worrying about that wheelbarrow. So much depended on that wheelbarrow. Okay. Yeah, he, well, uh, he, he did. He, he shouldn't have eaten those plums. Yeah. <sighs> so, speaking of movies, yeah, these are ones we're yeah, recommending. Uh, you know, I <laughs> caught up with, um, you know, William Friedkin passed away. I caught up with his last film, The Kane Mutiny Court Martial. Uh, which in a lot of ways is a return to how he started out uh, shooting uh, plays uh, for television. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's, a, it's a movie that, like, look, it doesn't have a lot of visual pyrotechnics, although I think that the, you know, the shots and, and the editing is very carefully chosen. But it, is, it takes all, almost all that takes place in the courtroom, almost all of it is a court case a fairly realistically presented court case. <laughs> um, and so if you're looking for, you know, a lot of vivid style and uh, and big incident, it's not a film for you. But it shows that what a, you know, group of talented actors, a very great, you know, talented cast for that, uh, a talented director can do with, um, you know, material that is a, very traditional courtroom drama and how much drama can be wrung out of that. And uh, I, I, you know, I, it seems like I'm damning it with faint praise. I'm just saying that, you know, like, yeah, probably in the span of Friedkin's uh, works, it's a more minor one, but it's one that I enjoyed watching and uh, is widely available right now. If you have, I think it's on Showtime which comes bundled with Paramount Plus these days. Paramount Plus with Showtime, a thing that could have been avoided if they just said Paramount Plus Showtime, <laughs> but they didn't. Or, anyway. if, or if everyone decided that uh, merging all things into one big thing, like that's a, also like a problem. A, a hellish media catamari dynasty well, was not the right thing what, to do. You know what? Who's looking into buying Paramount Plus now? Like I feel like Warner that's Brothers, being merged into right? Jesus. Wasn't wasn't Warner Brothers <laughs> Discovery gonna buy gonna buy Paramount? Yeah, right. So I guess we just gave hold up on to your on DVDs, that whole folks. Monopoly thing and regulating this sort of stuff. We did give up on that. Okay. Well, we don't need to get in that here, but I think because the entertainment business is considered a not serious business, it yeah. uh, is often not given the same uh, regulatory. It's one eye. of our top exports as a nation, anyway. <sighs> Yeah. Okay. Cool. Uh, I agree with you, Dan. I'm not. I'm not telling you. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. That was directed. That was directed at you. I was incensed, Elliot, specifically at you. Okay. Uh, I'll team up with you, Dan. Just because I'm the head of the Justice Department's anti antitrust division. Yes. (laughs) I dislike you. Like I dislike poetry now. Oh man. Um. Okay. So (laughs) Dan says, Elliot, you're a poem. That's not a compliment. We uh, since since we're recommending movies about courtroom stuff, I'm gonna recommend <laughs> uh, I'm gonna recommend Anatomy of a Fall. Uh, came out this year. It's from France, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
And uh, yeah, it's really great. It's, uh, I mean, right away, it's uh, about a a family and the husband uh, dies and the resulting court case that is tied with that and how in the process of litigating this uh, murder, death, Suicide, who knows? Mm-hmm. Uh, it They end up kind of litigating the relationship uh, between these people. And it's really great. Uh, and I liked it a lot. And there's a very good do- uh, dog actor who is a very good boy. And don't worry, nothing really bad happens to it. It's a European movie, so it's about ambiguity. Yay, Ooh. that's true. Dan's right. Ooh. Wait, did you know Did you know that or did you just guess? Because I just it's European. assume that's one yep. of those movies. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to recommend a not new movie because I am behind on my screeners and I buy behind on my screeners. I mean, each time I'm about to recommend something, it turns out Stuart has recommended it an episode or two (laughs) before me. That's right. Uh, Stuart's got his finger on the pulse of good ass new movies. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm going to recommend an old artsy thing that I assume Stuart has not seen. Uh, This is a short film. It's not super short. It's like uh, like 50 minutes long or something like that Uh, from 1981 called You Are Are Not I – it was uh, made by Sarah Driver, and uh, Jim Jarmusch is the cinematographer on it. That's the Ooh. world that it kind of comes out of. And it is uh, a story about a woman, a lot of voiceover narration uh, about a woman who is uh, disturbed and manages to escape from the asylum that she's been sent to because there's a car crash outside, and it becomes a distraction that she can kind of use to get out. And uh, eventually she is taken to her – the home of her sister who had initially sent her this asylum and a sort of low-key battle of wills. Uh, Wait a minute. Comes, comes Loki's in it? Them. No. no uh, OK. I said it wrong. Uh, maybe <laughs> a, a creepy but not uh, not overtly violent battle of wills. OK, cool. And now you're like the Journal of the Wills, the, the mm-hmm. original screenplay for Star Wars? And I'm like, no. Uh, and uh, I found it to be one of the – better movies I've seen about taking me into a mindset that is um, not understanding reality in an accurate way, let's say. Uh, And I found it really eerie and had a really great atmosphere to it. So that is You Are Not I, and it's a short film that you should be able to find. So the the letter U, R, no. No, no, the word you, Y-O-U, are not I. (laughs) The letter I, as in the word I. instructing that letters are different from one another. It's it's not spelled the way that like a hip-hop song from the 90s would be spelled. You be 40. That was the original title of This is 40, I think. I'd be 45, actually. Oh, man, that would have been awesome. And sometimes IBS. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) Aging. Um... Dan, don't miss, folks. Um, so what do we do next now that we've recommended current movies and talked about poetry Dan's a Dan's making a boot joke, you best not miss. I'm going to pass out because I'm coughing and laughing. That's Well, there's a word. Coughing is a portmanteau of coughing and laughing. Mm. Oh. Uh, laughing uh, is also a portmanteau of laughing. Uh, what do coughing. we do at this point in the podcast? Mm-hmm. Oh, this is the well, part we— Well, say where goodbye, we, I think. We thank our um, editor, Alex Smith. <laughs> You can find him all over the internet under the name Howell Dottie and sometimes under his actual name. Uh, we want to thank Maximum Fun, our podcasting network. Uh, without them, it, it would be a lot harder to do this show. <laughs> Significantly harder. Uh, it would involve a lot of work that we don't want to do, so thank you. Um, 
And if you want to check out other great podcasts on the network, go to MaximumFun.org. If you want to uh, buy Jumbotron, we didn't mention it before, but over at MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron, that's where that happens. And, uh, you know, if you want to, leave us a kind review on iTunes probably or someplace else if there's a place that <laughs> takes podcast reviews. We'll take that as well. Um, but anyway, <laughs> I, I like to cover all the bases. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Pick up a copy of the fucking Peddler's Post and <laughs> scrawled in the margins. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for this episode of The Flophouse, I have been Dan McCoy. Hey, it's me, Stuart Wellington. And I'm Elliot Kalin saying Rebel Moon to ya. Mm, happy New Year. Bye. Bye before you <laughs> bye-bye. <laughs> Is it sweltering in here, or is it me? It's you're going through the changes, buddy. <laughs> yeah, Dan, I think you're going through Danapause. <laughs> changes. All right. Maximum Fun. A worker-owned network. Of artist-owned shows. Supported. Directly. By you.